Hey everyone and welcome to the Clarion Chats, a podcast for students, by students. Alright, let's dive into this week's episode. Alright guys, welcome back to the Clarion Chats. I am Jamie and I'm here with Ismail today. We have both been on before. Um, my voice is a little bit raspy and it's been like that since Friday and I have no idea why, but I do have water here just in case I need it. There's definitely something going around. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thankfully, there's someone around us today to help us out on the podcast. It's the one and only David Bodery. You may know him as the gentleman in the library that is smiling and that <laughs> is is always willing to help you out and, and is constantly being a, a wonderfully warm presence on campus. Um, but he's also um, the chair of the communications department. And he is a professor, so thank you so much for joining us, David. It's great to be here, and I've never heard myself described that way, so <laughs> probably good that I know that. <laughs> I, I do enjoy, I mean, seeing students walking, interacting, kind of checking the temperature of see how things are going. So if that's me in the library, then that's that's probably <laughs> good. Right, right. right. You could definitely have a worse reputation. <laughs> right, true, true. And he's, you know, you're you're joining us on a very special day. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Student Press Freedom Day. Um, February 22nd, um, and, you know, as members of the student press, uh, this is a day that is really a great opportunity to commemorate um, the importance of what we do, the importance of journalism in general, and how vital um, both can be to a strong campus and strong uh, student body. So um, tell us a bit about this special day, um, Jamie, if you don't mind, and then... Yeah. Um, we can ask uh, Mr. Bodery some 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 questions about uh, how he um, works so hard to help students because we definitely see him on campus doing a lot, but a lot of people don't know that he does a lot off campus for students as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the Student Law Press Center was founded 50 years ago, and from that is an organization that I know offers free, has a free legal hotline that's open 24 hours for anyone who has questions about legalities, publishing, copyright questions. Um, You can call them at any time, whether you're just a student or a journalist. So that is just amazing. Um, From that, there was a law case, which was Tinker versus um, Des Moines Supreme Court case. And that was five years ago, or no, sorry, the case wasn't five years ago, but this holiday came from that five years ago. They thought that it was um, a great opportunity to really show that student journalism is protected and has a place according to the um, Constitution so that students have rights under the First Amendment. So that was really cool. Um, and I guess that there's a theme every year for Student uh, Press Freedom Day, which I didn't know about. So this year is powerfully persistent. So that's pretty interesting. How very apt. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about um, student journalism here at Sinclair, David. Well, I, I thank you first for having me on today and for recognizing this important event, uh, anniversary event. <laughs> so student engagement, first of all, is important. But obviously, for a communication program, the journalists are a huge part of what we do. Uh, in many ways, you, you learn about it in the MassCom class at the Fourth Estate. You familiar with that phrase? Oh, no. Um, the idea that 
we've got three branches of government, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you've got legislative, you've got the judicial and the executive branches. Mm-hmm. But the fourth estate is the journalists. Because in a democracy, that freedom of expression and opportunity to gain information is so important. And through students, oftentimes we learn things. And I don't know this case in Des Moines, but I'll bet you students uncovered some stuff that they found interesting (laughs) and began to ask some questions and somebody got uncomfortable with that and then they pursued it to say, now wait a minute, this is an important role. And of course, it is an important role. Journalists do very important work in our community, in our society, and in our democracy. And so I'm happy to be a part of Sinclair's efforts to provide good educational training, both for comm majors, but specifically for journalism majors. It's awesome. So um, you've been, you have an ac- a very interesting connection to the Clarion, don't you? Well, uh, in what way are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I've been around a long time. I think right. there's been four at least four different clearing advisors in my time here. So this is year 30 for me. Wow. um, I never would have guessed. (laughs) Right. So uh, Bruce Dawson was, and then uh, Sandy Hilt, I think was her name, and then Avante, and now Jess. So there are at least four. Oh, and Heidi Arnold actually was also, and Heidi's still a faculty member, but she was interim. Wow. clearing advisors. So, but what were you thinking about? Well, you kind of you work with them. Well, I mean, I, I love the fact that it's part of my responsibility, but I don't really do much of the work, honestly. I mean, Students are doing all the work. Um, you guys create what is produced every month in terms of the Clarion, both the online content as well as the the print content. So, right. and I support Jess, but Jess is a professional. She's the Clarion advisor, Jess Grau, and right. she's amazing. And I think um, sometimes she's sort of flying under the radar for a lot of folks, but she's doing amazing work in support of you, the students. Mm-hmm. The well, studio is a good example of that, right? Because exactly. what was it, two years ago, a year ago even, we didn't have all of this equipment, we didn't have this ability, and yet this is the direction that journalists are moving. Right, right. Well, you do drop by occasionally with cookies, well, <laughs> and that and that cookies, that that best. is a big help. <laughs> it's a bigger help than you know. Heard, no, right. <laughs> they help keep our energy up. That's right. <laughs> it does. Um, but outside of the campus, what else do you do to help uh, student journalists? So there's a variety of different ways that I've engaged myself in the community. Um, one actually is through the League of Women Voters. Oh, wow. And so there's been a number of times that we've been able to, uh, with the league, have students gain some internships oh, great. at the league in support of the work that's being done to really advance our democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the league was initiated over 100 years ago to help women gain the right to vote. Mm-hmm. But in 1922, 1920, i got to make sure I get <laughs> So women gained the right to vote, but they didn't disband the League of Women Voters because they said, all right, now women have the right to vote, but let's make sure that they, st- they know what to vote on, how to vote, um, that they feel empowered to vote. And it's really expanded beyond just women's issues, but now citizens' issues, mm-hmm. uh, so that citizens know what are the issues that are being discussed, what 
how do you unpack an issue one or an issue two like we had last year? Right. What is the meaning of this? And sometimes the legislators create language that isn't as clear, perhaps, as we need it to be as citizens. And so the league mm-hmm. is there to tr- provide that non-biased, sort of non-partisan perspective to help people to kind of filter through what is or what isn't uh, going to be approved or included, whether it be uh, candidates or whether it be uh, issues, policies, or concepts. So students have been able to gain some internship opportunities, and I was uh, lucky to be in a position where I could help kind of coordinate that for some students in the class. Um, I've also, because of my work with the league, done some work at Dayton Access Television. Oh, wow. And they have a room that's similar to this, although they got some sort of, I don't know, uh, sound deadening sorts of panels and things like that, right? Uh, I was going to say mood lighting. (laughs) No. (laughs) Could have that. But I think even some of the same equipment. uh, Oh, wow. I've been able to do some broadcast work with them in support, again, of educating people on issues or on um, voting opportunities, things like that. But kind of combine those things then. So I knew what was going on at Dayton Access TV. Mm-hmm. I knew that we had students that were trying to do more work in terms of podcasting or video work or whatever, and I've been able to connect the dots. Awesome. And so, yeah, so if there is a Sinclair student that's interested in learning more and, and taking advantage of the training and the resources available through Dayton Access uh, television, mm-hmm. then they should talk to me because I will pay for their one-year membership And then give that student opportunity to go get the training and be able to learn the resources, borrow the equipment. Um, In one instance, we had a capstone student that wanted to make a video. And so he's like, I don't have a decent camera. I'd like to use, make kind of high quality bit. And so he got training over at DATV. They sent him home with a really high end video. um, What's the right new? I want to say something K. Camcorder? Uh, or? Well, yeah, it would have been a digital recorder. And so okay. he made an amazing video that he then is able to put out onto the public access. What a lot of times students forget is that we have these cable stations, right? Mm-hmm. But along with that was the requirement that public access cable also be supported. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's Spectrum or Time Warner or whatever, whatever the cable stations, right? They fund public access. And so then every community that has cable has access to these public stations, these public access stations. And my friends at DATV are like, hey, we need people to create content. Mm-hmm. Would there be people interested? And how do we give them the opportunity to create content, get it out there? So we do some pretty cool things in Dayton. Uh, if people ever watch their public access station, they'll see course church kinds of things going on right Mm -hmm. so minister maybe but they'll also have some cultural events or Mm -hmm. public events they get broadcast they've even done like battle of the bands right there in the studio (laughs) and then you you know you have an hour's worth of of live music that gets captured and then put up for everybody to access yeah so um again if students are interested (laughs) in Dayton access television and learning more about that they should talk to me about it I've basically, uh, I'll say, purchased a certain number of uh, uh, year-long memberships, and we mm-hmm. can you know, make that available as long as the money holds out. 
Expect an email from me very soon. Okay. I know. I'm sitting here. I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and, and I have done a tour, just like uh, the Clarion and uh, Zool did a tour of Cox Media. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a tour of Dayton Access, too, and I'd be happy to take students over there. They could watch a broadcast um, taping of the League of Women Voters program that I host. And then, uh, you know, they get a tour of the rest of the facility, get to meet some of the staff. and um, It's pretty cool. Wow. So about, not, I'm not asking like for a personal, just so anybody <laughs> here listening, but um, for like internships, like more about that, like um, if somebody were to contact you, like are they paid? Would they do anything like towards credit at school or anything like that? So uh, of course we'd love to be able to find paid internship opportunities for every student. Mm-hmm. It has been challenging. And of course, many times nonprofit organizations don't have a ton of money, right, to be able to do. With the league, what we were able to work out was a $500 stipend to the students that worked this summer with the league. And that was through a generous donation of one of the members uh, that said, all right, you know, we've got this money and we can make it available to the students. So each student got a $500, I'll call it honorarium. It's not like you're putting in hours and you're getting paid by the hour, but at least they got something out of it. And they were able to get college credit because they signed up for an internship class and then they had a person directing that with their university or their college. Okay, very interesting. Yeah. So would that go in, because I, I took the um, new media certification last year, right. so would that be like an internship that would go towards that? or? Well, it, it depends, right? Okay. Because it depends on what the league is looking for. So in that instance, I think they were trying to find people that could create some sort of social media presence, and so, but they also might be interested in a person with some history background or a person with journalistic background or maybe just English skills or whatever. So it depends. And that's where we do have a person on campus responsible to help students identify internship opportunities, hopefully paid, and in most instances they are. Um, And her name is April. And I can connect you with April. And as you get ready to try to do an internship, yeah, we can try to connect the dots. And, of course, the Clarion is Mm -hmm. a great internship opportunity. That's where I started. I did my internship at the Clarion. And then when it was done, I was like, well, I'll just stay here. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) But we've also had students interning over at Dayton Daily News. Wow. I didn't know that was possible to, like, like, there were so many connections. Because I immediately, when it was time for me to look at my internship, I was connected with Jess, like, immediately. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know any other options. So I think that's really cool for students that there's a lot of these different options out there. And speaking of connections, I... uh, I like that you brought you brought that up because there are just so many people out there that are connected to the Clarion. Mm-hmm. Um, people at Dayton Daily News. Um, there is a remarkable uh, journalist over at the Detroit Free Press, uh, Dante Bedingfield, who also used to work at the Clarion. And so, yeah, there are all these connections out there that um, sometimes you just have to ask about to to learn about. Really, yeah, for sure. And Dante also did work at WYSO, didn't he? I I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah, that's the Yellow Springs based. Uh, Public radio station. Oh, yeah. amazing! Amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, there's uh, small world. Yeah. <laughs> some amazing things. I remember, and this was years ago in my public speaking class. Uh, we were introducing ourselves and kind of talking about our, our sort of our goals or our future or career direction, whatever. I had a student who said that uh, he wanted to eventually be able to be on ESPN. Like he wanted to be that kind of a broadcast journalist. Mm -hmm. And in my head, 
I was thinking, okay, what 19-year-old guy in my public speaking class doesn't have a dream that one day maybe he could, like, you know, appear on ESPN and be a broadcaster? Like, I think that's many people's sort of, oh, that'd be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I didn't diminish or dampen his enthusiasm. I didn't mm-hmm. say, oh, yeah, everybody wants to do that. <laughs> Instead, I, I kind of laid a plan out for him and talking about, well, what could we do to help him to achieve that? And uh, it's pretty powerful because he was very motivated. I said, well, I don't have any access to ESPN. But what at the time we had access to was Disney, the college program. I did that program. You did? I did. Okay, good. So you know (laughs) then that, I mean, it's work experience. Mm -hmm. But largely it's the same thing you could do in Dayton, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you might be a server or Mm -hmm. you might be – Working a point of sale cash register. I mean, there's yeah, I did the food carts at Epcot. Okay, so <laughs> not super glamorous. Yep. But you are at Disney, and you're working with people from all over the world, mm-hmm. hearing languages that perhaps you've never encountered before. And so this guy went ahead and uh, he applied to the Disney College program. He got accepted, uh, and ended up getting a chance to observe the ESPN zone at Disney and meet a lot of the people that were there. Uh, And it just continued to kind of keep that fire burning for him in terms of journalism. He completed his associates at Sinclair. He applied to and was accepted at Ohio State. Wow. He became the college edition Sports Illustrated journalist for Ohio State University, which meant he got the pass Mm -hmm. to get into the football stadium right there on the ground level. He had the pass for the basketball games. He had access to the coaches, to the athletes. He had all that. Mm-hmm. And then he was writing content that would end up being published in the online edition of the Sports Illustrated College piece, right? So wow. super cool. So then he graduates Ohio State, and mm-hmm. he begins to look for a full-time job. And I forget the order of where he went first, second, and third, but mm-hmm. um, he ended up doing work in Cincinnati, working with Spectrum One which is a cable, but a news program. And so he was covering uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. And, right? It's just super cool. And now he's living in Cleveland, and he's able to cover the Browns and the Cavaliers. And he is living. Okay, so he's not on ESPN yet. (laughs) But he is living his best life, right, Right, based on that dream that he had in a public speaking classroom here at Sinclair. So he'll tell you, ton of hard work, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and you got to be dedicated to your craft, mm-hmm. and you got to keep learning every day. It doesn't stop when you're done with your associates or with your bachelor's. But right. he's living his best life, and uh, so Justino, when you hear this, you know that I'm <laughs> talking about you. So. <laughs> that was um, very cool. It, and just goes to show you that um, the opportunities are there. You just have to be willing to seize them and willing to take them as far as you can. Because um, I can't tell you how many times I t- I've told my own journalists this that. You know, um, you can interview whoever you want. You can write about whatever you want. You just have to have the ambition to to do so, right? Um, for our upcoming magazine, I interviewed. Um, I, I can kind of um, <laughs> offer a little teaser here. I interviewed Gaff Thorpe, who is a New York Times bestselling writer. Um, he works for the Black Library. They publish the Warhammer novels, and I'm a big fan. Um, and I've been reading his work for years and years and years. And so uh, the Clarion gave me the opportunity 
and the gumption, right, to ask if I could interview him. And, and it was just so extraordinary. So um, those sorts of things are, you know, stu being a member of the student press, it makes those things possible. You just have to be willing to take that step and take the plunge, right? Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too. And it's not a knock on Wright State because I started at Wright State. I went there right after um, high school and om I'm almost done with my bachelor's. I have like eight classes left, which I'm finishing here now. Um, but I went for my bachelor's of fine arts and I learned a lot of art. Again, I'm not knocking them, but I learned nothing in like preparing me for getting out into like a business setting. I had no plan. I had no guidance. I was just kind of like, I get maybe it was there and I didn't know who to ask. I was young. Um, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. And then I did the Disney College internship and then I stayed there for a few years and traveled around. But I've been here now for like a year and a half and like every professor that I've had or people that I've met, they are willing to sit down, like you said, and set a plan. And I'll be like, all right, this is what I want to do. And they're like, okay, let's sit down and figure out how you can get this done. Like, and they'll sit with me like in their own time. And I'm just like, if I would have had this when I was like 19, <laughs> like who knows where I would be right now. But I, I didn't. And it's just crazy to me um, because I know sometimes not everybody will be like, oh, Sinclair, like compared to these big schools. But like the amount of attention that I've gotten at this school compared to other schools, we'll say, is just it's mind blowing to me. <laughs> it, of course, it's it's validating to hear that. I will say Wright State has a radio station, and we've had Sinclair students that moved from here over to Wright State and really found their voice in that sense of, like, radio was their thing. And Pam Combs, do you guys know Pam Combs? I don't, but you I will, feel like Ismael knows everybody. You will find out about her soon <laughs> because Pam is one of those students that went through the Sinclair program. She actually, I think, has two degrees from Sinclair. Um I believe she has an interior design degree, so on the Viscom side, but then a comm degree, and then she went over to Wright State, and she's done some really cool things with the radio station there. So, um, again, it's the gumption. It's that willingness to put in the time. And uh, those opportunities to interview famous people, they don't fall in your lap on the first day. Right. right? You've got to be patient. You've got to be willing to put in the work, but it's the work that leads you to be ready for that big interview when you get it so that you know what questions you're gonna ask and you know how you're gonna close it out or you know how you're gonna maintain that relationship even after the fact. Right, right. So all really, uh, really valid points and definitely, you know, 100% true. Um, I know from personal experience. Um, and it's so gratifying to, at the same time while interviewing them, to get advice and basically um, learn how you too could one day be in a situation where you're, you're being interviewed by someone and passing on the same advice that was given to you. So um, uh, we, we mentioned the comms department, but I also wanted to just give a quick shout out to the creative writing program and the English department here at Sinclair because um, I've kind of experienced the same thing that uh, Jamie was describing um, in that, uh, you know, with professors like uh, Professor Wagner, Professor Eccles, Professor Dunham, um, Professor Geiselman, um, they have had a massive, massive, massively positive effect on me and my career. Um, and there are so many writers out there who would tell you the exact same thing. So um, that's 
one of many areas where Sinclair really, really excels. That's cool. And I know all those faculty, they're amazing. I can appreciate what you're saying, absolutely. Uh, I also have to give another shout out to Professor uh, Furaha Henry Jones mm. as well. She's just, just absolutely fabulous. Um, but going back to journalism and the press, um, not that long ago, it wasn't uncommon to hear um, journalists being referred to as the enemy of the people here in the United States, which is something that is almost unfathomable. So let's talk briefly about why journalism is so important and so vital. Well, I just think it helped, like you were saying, the four, I hadn't heard that term before, but I've heard that like journalism is like the fourth branch of the government, basically, is what I've heard it referred to as. And it helps to like keep the rest of them in check um, because we hope that journalists report the truth and the facts and the, the dirty bits that people don't always want exposed, but that people, the public needs to know about. Um, so I think that's really important. If we get rid of that, then the only news we have will be social media. <laughs> and it <laughs> will not be accurate. So <laughs> and I think that's the scary thing is that we know that we have a tendency to believe what we want to believe. Um, and social media sort of magnifies that because then it allows us to block those voices that we don't want to believe or that say things that we don't want to hear or that don't reflect positively on the things that we love. And so we just block those things out. And then you begin to have these bubbles where you really only hear what you want to hear. Um, and of course, the reality is that First Energy, for instance, here in Ohio, did some things that were unethical and has had negative repercussions on the state and the citizens of the state. Um, if we don't have journalists under uh, uncovering these things and holding uh, elected officials accountable for these things, then what, what are we going to have, right? Um, and if you don't know about First Energy, you need to do a little Googling on that. So <laughs> um, at least two elected officials that are imprisoned as a result of accepting bribes. And, wow. you know, it's... This is real stuff, and mm -hmm. it affects our lives every day. So the work that journalists do is so important. And yes, sometimes what they need to do is uncomfortable. Uh, but uh, I think to think that everything is you know, rainbows and sunshine is pretty unrealistic, too. So we need people to be willing to dig in and to find out what's really happening. I think we've touched on that a little bit in some of our more recent articles like the uncomfortable bits on um, if we're going to ruffle feathers or not, but yeah, it's our I mean, job. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a team, you know, we've had yeah. these, you know, those sorts of discussions. And, you know, um, I'm proud to say that uh, we haven't shied away from revealing some perhaps inconvenient truths, right? Um, it's important that we do that, first of all, for our, our integrity. Um, also, for... We're also kind of like historic record keepers in, a s in the sense that we're reporting on things that are happening now that years from now people will look back and um, read about. Um, they'll be like, wow, that happened back then? <laughs> you know, um, I'm reading, uh, just for fun, just for leisure, this tells you what kind of nerd I am. I'm reading <laughs> a uh, medieval uh, book. It was written in the 1300s, and it was, it's it was written by this... Um, the scribe, and he just basically is talking about all the different things that have happened in his lifetime. 
and he's got some pretty lurid details in there, but those details really help us understand what was going on in the country and in the times that he was living in, right? Without him making those records, we would probably have a uh, what we call a, a, a dark age where there's no sources and people have no idea what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's another aspect of what we do. We preserve history. We preserve moments. We preserve uh, special special occasions for posterity. So um, I think whenever I think about the importance of journalism, I go back to when I was a kid. And, you know, I'd always wanted to be a writer, but I do remember there was a particular cafe um, I used to go to at around 12 years old. And I remembered, I remember seeing my first journalists, and they carried themselves differently. They walked differently. They expressed themselves differently um, compared to other people. And they were writers too, right? And I, I looked at them and I was like, man, I want to be like that when I, when I grow up. And so um, that just kind of shows you the, the effect that we as journalists can have on other people. I was thinking w today, especially, right, uh, if you have the opportunity, thank a journalist, <laughs> right? Because our freedoms are maintained by journalists. Um, the freedom, uh, free expression of ideas is maintained by journalists. And so if you enjoy that, then thank a journalist. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess I, uh, one thing I would like to ask you about is – um, how do you see the future of the student press at St. Clair? Well, I, I hope that we can continue to offer the sorts of resources and learning opportunities that the Clarion has for years provided. Mm -hmm. In my time at St. Clair, we at one time were simply a newspaper. Um, and I think early on, it might have been every week there was a new newspaper, but over time then that changes. It's expensive, mm -hmm. and truthfully, it became increasingly expensive uh, in more recent times uh, just to get things printed, right? Um, mm -hmm. And we see the same thing happening with the Dayton Daily News, right? Dayton Daily News actually prints their paper in Indi Indiana. Wow. Oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> I, didn't know. I did not know that. It, it isn't printed locally anymore because they found a cheaper way to get it and then they ship it. I wondered what happened to that. Because I used to drive by it right. like all the time. That beautiful okay. Building yeah. Seventy-five. Yeah. So that it's no longer owned by Dayton Daily. Yeah, it's owned by like Modular. Some, I, don't I don't know something. Know <laughs> I don't know what it is, but. <laughs> so I mean, we print, and then we began to expand the print into incorporating other forms, right? And so they, the magazine style, I think, are really cool, and probably is uh, more appropriate to today's students. Um, less likely to sort of find their way through a larger newspaper and less interested, honestly. But uh, the full color, I think, is also more attractive. And mm -hmm. So kudos for making that choice and being able to uh, commit to it, oh, uh, raising you. the funds, selling the ad space to be able to make that happen, but also the online options. And now podcasting, vodcasting, I mean, the ways in which students are applying the craft in modes that are going to be the future. So who's to say you know, it won't be different in the future, but hopefully it'll still be there. Now, how dystopian would our future be, though, if, and I just want you to think about this, <laughs> if there was no Clarion, if there was no student um, magazine here at St. Clair? 
I don't know. I'm trying to think what it would be like. If we didn't have this newsroom full of, you know, these full of so many creative people, so many talented individuals, and if things were just happening and students had no idea why yeah. or I mean, I think that it would also, like, students would, we'd lose the, like, internship opportunity, the place for people to come and get, like, work experience before moving on in their field. Um, it was just part of the reason why, like, I stayed here. Like, I took classes just to stay at this job. Because my, my intern, I mean, my stuff's done. But I like working here so much because I learn so much. It's such, like, a sounding board for me to be able to, like, have ideas and have people to ask about rather than just, like, go into a job where I'm expected to know what I'm doing. So this has been a great opportunity job-wise. Um, but also, like you're saying, like, people wouldn't necessarily get the news or, like, we post a lot of stuff um, on our webpage, on social media. We are, like, interviewing students just in the hallway about random things with our Your Voice videos. So I think we would lose that, like, personal aspect um, of connecting with students. So I think it, it would be a lot. I think a lot would be gone. It's a really great question, and I know that you belong to the Ohio News Media Association, and I think that you may be going to their conference is it next month uh, when they do their awards presentation. That's the kind of question I'd love to have you ask the other university students, right? Uh, when you compete for that O-N-M-A, is that right? Ohio News Media Association. When you compete uh, for their various recognitions, you're competing against Ohio State or Ohio University mm -hmm. or University of Cincinnati or Wittenberg or whoever. Um, look around and see who's missing because I'll bet you there are schools that don't have any journalism on campus, that don't mm -hmm. have a student newspaper. You talk about dystopian, it's happening across the country and even cities that are losing their local papers, right? And then how do you as citizens know what's going on in the community? And how do you kind of hold the school board accountable? Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's the school commission, or maybe it's the county commission, who knows? But if you don't have those local journals, how do you maintain the, the sharing of information? So it's such an important role. And and yeah, I agree. I would hate to see it lost here as you said. Yeah, it's a, it's a terrifying thought, you know, for Sinclair to ever become a sort of black hole of, for information, right? Where students come in, they take their classes, and things just happen, you know? Um, there are so many things that happen on campus that I know of only because uh, of the Clarion and because of my coworkers here and the great work that they do. So um, I think it's worth reflecting on that today um, as we uh, deepen our understanding of all the things that journalism does for us as a society we should also try and better understand what society will look like without journalism. I do think that's a very interesting point. And it is something I haven't thought about. So And so and so I can I can say unequivocally that you don't see that happening anytime soon. You don't see the clarion shutting down. I'm trying but I'm trying to wring out a commitment from you. Oh. I mean <laughs> it is not in my plan for okay. sure. So 
I think that the college is always challenged to figure out how do we continue to support the things that are important to the work of the college. Mm -hmm. And if we look around at uh, some of the other schools locally, we see that they're making choices. They're making changes based on what uh, they can afford to do uh, and how they feel their institution maybe that best fits in its role in their community. Sinclair has been committed to this in the 30 years that I've been here. I don't see that changing while I'm here. Uh, so um, I'm proud of the work that you guys do, and it's really exciting to see what you create. So I say keep doing it. Thank you. And so, so in addition to being the guy that smiles in the library, <laughs> you are going to be our canary in the coal mine. <laughs> so if we, if we all of a sudden <laughs> stop seeing you, then we should start preparing our CVs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think at the same time, I, I heard what you said about you really like working here, but our job as educators is to help you to be ready for that next step. Mm -hmm. And so let us know what it is that you think you need more of uh, or what after you've left and come and, you know, you can come back and say, oh, but I wish I'd have gotten more of that or something else. Um, we do have advisory boards uh, at Sinclair and I have one for the comm program. And I think the Clarion has had advisory group meetings uh, with other journalists and things like that. You know, having people to come back and be able to talk about, this is what was great, but here's something that we could do better. Um, I love to be able to hear those things. So, uh, and my hope is that I can sort of help launch you guys, not me personally so <laughs> much as Jess's work, but launch you into careers that will really be fulfilling, that you'll make a difference in, in your own sense of your contribution, but also for your community. And um, yeah, thank you for that. It's and another thing I'd like to add is that it's never too late. Oh. Um, you know, Jamie earlier mentioned that she wished she had some of this, some of the, the these crucial support systems available when she was 19, but she's reaping the benefits of them even now. So, if you're out there and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I wish I could have done that back then," it's not too late. You know, there's a saying in Arabic that I really love, and it's "Kultahir uh, which means every lateness brings goodness. So if something happens to you that you've wanted for a long time, and if it happens later than you expected it to, it's for a good reason. So, yeah, maybe Jamie didn't have access to these things when she was 19 because maybe at 19 she wasn't ready for them, and she's ready for them now. Yeah, so well, I say that too, just going on, because I was going for a bachelor's in fine arts in um, photography and a minor in art history, and now my end goal is to have my own social media marketing agency. Um, so that wasn't even a thing back in 2011 when I was going to college. Absolutely didn't exist. Yeah, so like, like it helped me with my creative side and photography and learning how to create the photos that I now need for social media. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, like what I wanna do wasn't even, it wasn't even in existence. So, so I am very, glad of the opportunities that I had and that they got me here but yeah I mean I'm 31 back at school and doing an internship excuse me and working part-time and going to school uh, part-time with a six-year-old so yeah like it is never too late <laughs> your your career might not even be out there yet so exactly <laughs> yeah right. so often I think we buy into this idea that it's a race and that we race from high school to an associate's degree, and if we don't do it in two years, somehow we failed, and then to a bachelor's degree, and if we don't do it in four years, somehow we failed. And the reality is, especially when we're working part-time, two years is not possible, four years is imp improbable, 
But that doesn't mean you're not winning the race. It's just that it's not a sprint. This is not a sprint race. The first one across the line doesn't win a gold medal. Everybody that crosses the line wins. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, and yet, so often, students look at me like, oh, yeah, I know I'm finishing my degree. I'm doing my capstone or whatever. But it's taken me so long. How long did it take? Oh, it took me five years to get my two-year degree. And I said, oh, you did it part-time? You're actually two years ahead of the average. Wow. Yeah. So on average, part-time, two-year degree takes around seven years. Wow. I did not know that. <laughs> so you're ahead. And again, it's not a race to be the first. The first one across the finish line doesn't get more money or more fame or more anything. Right? Um, you get your degree. You got what you came for. And maybe it's different than when you started. And that's, that's real. So it's okay. I know I've extended it. Sorry. No, oh, no, no. These are was, all really was, good points. That was brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Um, so is there anything you would like our listeners to know about the comms department and about the student press? Well, just first of all, thank a journalist, right? <laughs> because without those journalists, then we are not going to have the kind of democracy that we deserve. Mm -hmm. So they're an important part of this whole process. Um, I think the other thing is that in terms of the communication program at Sinclair, we are there to support all the students. My, my previous boss used to say that communication is a great major for many people, but it's a better minor for everybody. Like you could minor in communication and think about how that helps you to then interview to get your next job, whether it's in accounting, architecture, zoology, whatever. That interview skill is really important, and that comes from your communication practice. Um, and then relationships, right? All the ways in which our communication skills impact the satisfaction we have with our lives at home, family relationships or our uh, you know, uh, romantic relationships, whatever those would be. And then, of course, don't forget about that job that might be a career your promotion hinges on your ability to listen well at work, to understand the needs of the people that you interact with, and then to be able to communicate effectively with them. And promotions come not because you were an A student in whatever your program was, but it's your ability to apply the skills to listen and communicate effectively. And so it is so essential to everything that is that, that goes on. So yeah, it's a great major for some students, but it's a great way for all students to improve their sort of opportunity in life, in family, and in work. I love that. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, we would love to have you again, possibly, to talk about something else. I know Zool really wants to have you on. Oh, uh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so that might be in the cards for us down the line. But thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we will see you guys on the next episode. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. If you are interested in being a guest or having an ad, send us an email at clarion.central at gmail.com and make sure to follow us on social media.